This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. anything to put a finger on and you guys losing leads? I mean, it's happened pretty much over the last month or so. Yeah, we didn't do good. It, it, uh, we had a chance to put the game away uh, after the turnover. We didn't do good there. And then uh, we haven't been good in, in a uh, two-minute drill on defense. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I mean that's yeah that's a that's a that's, that's a simplified way of of saying it. If you're Mike Zimmer, if you missed Vikings vent line yesterday, it was another great therapy session. Thanks to all of you guys. I mean, we definitely got some things off our chest, but um, it's always great when we can just sit back, sit back and be therapists for you guys, Vikings fans. If you missed it, be sure to check out Vikings vent line on Purple Daily or the Purple Daily YouTube channel. This is Mackie and Judd. Daily Minnesota sports entertainment and therapy. We just want championships. You know, that's all we want. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just want, just want some more titles around here. You know, th- celebrating the Twins every five years. Nineteen ninety one is great and all, but uh, you know, those guys are pretty old now. So uh, we just uh, like to raise the expectations. Should we just get right into statements here, boys? Uh-huh. I-, I have a feeling that all three of us just have more. There's more meat on the bone from yesterday's loss to the Baltimore Ravens and. Oh yeah. I think there's the music, so let's let's All hit right. it here. All right. Judd Zolga, why don't you why don't you tee off here? Hit the breakfast ball. The lead off. Yeah. Okay. I don't again for the second consecutive week, I don't care about one game because to me the problems run so much deeper than one game. So my statement is going to be from uh ten thousand feet above and say that I have found clarity. Last night I found clarity. Uh I've been on the fence about what's going to occur here, but now I'm positive. Rick Spielman and Mike. Zimmer both need to be gone at the end of this season. I don't trust either one. I don't think, I think they took their shots. And so there was a time when I deemed them to be very competent. But as far as where this franchise is going moving forward, I don't trust either one. The GM um, cannot identify a quarterback. Uh, I don't know if he's being pushed around now by the coach or what, but the incompetence of the coaching staff here. In key, key areas, i.e. offense, um, is off the charts. I no longer trust the people who are in charge with making the football football decisions for the Minnesota Vikings LLC. And therefore, they both need to be gone. I realize it's drastic, but I would rather bring in a GM who has fresh ideas and who I trust going forward and allow him to bring in the next coach, and then they can decide on Kirk Cousins. Oh, hey, Kirk Cousins is great. Or, you know what, not so great. Uh, but after watching this team 
and how it continues to operate in a season that started with great expectations. And by the way, justified, justified expectations. And to see them blow game after game after game in the apologist attempt to say, but the games are so close, Judd. You know what? At some point in time, bad teams don't win close games and the Vikings have turned themselves into a bad team. I'm done with the GM. I'm done with the coach. Hit the reset button. So do you think, so that's what you think. Do you think the Wilfs are there with both? I think they're there with Zimmer. Yeah, I do you think they're there with Rick? I think they need to be. I think they need to be advised, if nothing else, um, that you can't watch this and watch the product and watch how it's unfolding and not at least be getting very close. Um I just don't – why would you trust Rick at this point in time to uh, continue to um, make roster moves? He traded a fourth-round pick for a tight end who's now behind some guy named Luke Stacker. Um, the quarterback, <laughs> yeah, the quarterback conundrums <laughs> continue. The coach, uh, who is definitely under Rick's control, is out of control. So I really hope that the Wilfs are getting to the point where they need to get to, which is to say this team, it doesn't need a rebuild, but it needs a very hard reset. Turn the computer off, allow it to reset, turn it back on, see what happens. You know, all right, here's where I'm at. I feel feel like, so you just said it. I think we've been kind of trying to feel our way around this conversation. And I think think we've, over the last couple weeks, I think you and I have both come to the same place on Zimmer. And, and I've been more of a Zimmer defender throughout the years than you have. I think you've always turned a side eye at some of his antics. And I've always said, yeah, but like he, he's like train wreck proof. You know, like his worst seasons are seven and nine. And then he did go to an NFC championship game. But it's very obvious as a leader and as an all encompassing head coach, he's not the guy if you want to win a Super Bowl. If you want to guard against going. 3-13, and 13. if you're the Jets or you're some other crappy franchise, the Texans, mm-hmm. you, should, you could do a lot worse than hiring Mike Zimmer to train wreck-proof your franchise. But the Vikings aren't there, man. It's 60 years, 60 years of no championships. The goal shouldn't be to avoid 4-12 and 12 or 4-13 and 13 now. The goal should be to win a championship. And I think he is kryptonite to your chances to win a championship. You can't. You can't with a coach that's that bad offensively, that clearly is that bad against winning teams. I mean, he's now projected to be 19 and 44 against teams that finished the season with a winning record where I hesitate. I agree with a lot of the Rick Spielman criticism as well. I think by and large, he's built good competitive rosters over the last 10 to 15 years in his front office roles. I don't think he's an elite general manager. I worry that firing everyone is going to lead to whiffing on some hires. But then again, like, if you're not going to win a Super Bowl with the current collection, then what's right. the fear? Right. You know, what's the fear? You got to you got to you got to take a chance if you want to take the next step. And so I've always hesitated when it comes to GM, coach, quarterback. The Vikings are safe in all three of those. Right. Like they're they've been good, not elite, but they've it's not like they got a Geno Smith or some just train wrecky quarterback. Kirk's a good quarterback. Zimmer's a good coach. Spielman's a good GM. But good, good, good isn't going to lead you to a Super Bowl. And so, you know, how aggressive and how risky do you want to be here? I'm ready to be risky. I want to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think this trio, GM, coach, and quarterback, are right. going to win you one. And is Mike still good? Like, Mike was good. I agree. But is Mike still good? Like, I feel like it's disintegrated here. Um, and, and Rick and Mike also had a really long period of time here to take their shot 
and to win it all. Or to just get there, right? Um, feels to me like the clock was ticking, and now it's buzzed, and it's done. Uh, sorry, your time is up. You lose. It just feels you that way. You are the weakest link. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. It just feels that way. All right. All right. Um, here's my first statement for you guys. Stick with me on this one, okay? If the NFL was a cooking show, the Ravens offense would be cooking with filet mignon and fresh scallops. And the Vikings offense would be microwaving a Salisbury steak TV dinner. Think about yesterday, for example, okay? Just, just You've got every single week the Baltimore Ravens, three offensive figureheads, get into a room and strategize for every opponent, right? And those three figureheads are John Harbaugh, who's one of the best leaders in the NFL, one of the best, most forward-thinking coaches in the NFL. He took what was a Joe Flacco offense and molded it and, and hired the right people to make it into a Lamar Jackson offense, right? It wasn't, this is how we play offense. It was, okay, we used to have Joe Flacco, and he had his own set of skills or not, and now we have Lamar Jackson. So, like, John Harbaugh's vision, leadership, etc. Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator. He has coordinated a Super Bowl team in the Niners and was one of the more, I would say, forward-thinking innovators with Colin Kaepernick eight, nine years ago. Ten years of offensive NFL experience. He's got innovation badges from his time in San Francisco and now doing what they've been doing the last two or three years with Lamar Jackson. And then Lamar Jackson's the third guy in that room, right? He's one of the most creative and mobile quarterbacks and unique quarterbacks in the NFL. So those three guys put in their heads together. They don't script the first 15 plays anymore because they just want to react to what defenses are going to do because it can change week to week. Meanwhile, think about the same trio in the Vikings room every single week. You've got Mike Zimmer, who's one of the most stubborn, rigid coaches in the NFL, especially with offense, right? He's got his way that he feels like it should be done, and it's just don't screw up. you got Clint Kubiak, who has zero experience as a play caller. I mean, he was. we've talked about this a million times, but he was the wide receivers coach at Kansas University five years ago. Certainly wasn't coaching in Super Bowls, right, like Greg Roman and John Harbaugh. And then you got Kirk Cousins, who's accurate, but he's immobile. He's bad against pressure. And he'd rather defer leadership to the coaches and to the coordinators. He'd rather just be told what to do. And so it's not a surprise that yesterday, even though the Ravens looked stifled in the first half and the Ravens threw two interceptions, that ultimately the combination of Harbaugh, Roman, Lamar trumped Zimmer, Clint Kubiak, Kirk Cousins. But I would say by a mile, even though the score was close yesterday. Yep. And, and what's just completely inexcusable is this. The Vikings have the ingredients to be cooking with many of the same things. Mm-hmm. Not all, but a lot of them that Baltimore has. You've got Justin Jefferson, who is, you know, top-end steak, right? <laughs> You've got Thielen, who is productive, very good. K.J. Osborne. If Dalvin Cook is used right, you know, Dalvin Cook got a 66-yard run on the Vikings' second series on Sunday because the Vikings had set up, in part, the threat of the pass. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, are they going to pass? We, we've got to play that now. And the Vikings shoved it down the Ravens' throat, 66 yards, and proceeded to say, that's our run game. It, so there was one thing that, that Mark Schler said on the game yesterday that should have driven everybody crazy. So he clearly met with Zim before the game Saturday night. 
And it's two football-y football guys, right? Sitting down to grind tape, talk football, and probably have a couple of tough stakes. And Mark Schlereth at one point said in the first half, that's what the Vikings should do. They should run the ball the rest of the game. That came from Mike. Mark Schlereth was parroting his buddy Zimmer. That was he was there, praising he was praising Kubiak quite a few yeah, times throughout yes. the game too, right? But I mean, but clearly Mike told him we are going to run this ball. What you just had a 50, 50 yard touchdown pass? Well, Think and about the thing that. is, like, and, and like they've got Dalvin Cook, so you shouldn't just abandon the run. No. And obviously, it worked on that play. I don't think anyone is advocating for them abandoning the run. But Tyler Conklin, the last two weeks who is a backup tight end with limited skills. He's good. Like, I'm not saying he's not an NFL player. Like, he's a good player, but he's certainly not a dynamic pass-catching threat, right? He's good, not great. He's been targeted 14 times the last two games. Justin Jefferson, nine. Yeah. Out of a bye, in which you did self-scouting for two weeks. Inexcusable. (laughs) Inexcusable. But I mean, how... some of it's schemes, some of it's Kirk Cousins just not wanting to throw into traffic right, but, or make but a risky throw. Mike must have sat down with Schlereth and said, "We are gonna, ru- we are just gonna run with thirty-three all day," which is the worst thing that you can do to Dalvin Cook. The threat of the pass is what makes Cook even better. When the Ravens know, oh, these these stooges, these slappies are gonna run. Guess what they do? They come up in the box, and what did they do in the second half? They stopped the run thoroughly. Because it was going to be a one-man show. Who the hell thinks that is, uh, oh, this is a good idea, one-man show? Anyway, sorry to... Declan? Uh, I have a Mike Zimmer statement, but after Phil's, I'm actually going to go to my second one. And my second statement is, I want a Lamar Jackson. I want a Lamar well, Jackson. And I know, every it, they're hard to one. find. Yeah, and you could have had him, though, too. Mike Hughes. You could have had him. Uh, Lamar with 380 all-purpose yards, 120 on the ground. Even when things were inefficient for him in that first half, basically. I think at one point he was like 6 of 15. He was inaccurate. The Vikings defense, kudos to them, actually had a good game plan to to stop him. But guess what? In the second half, when they're down 14 points, so the pressure's on you, he still leads his team down for 21 points in the second half. He's a dual-threat quarterback. And, yeah, he kind of changes up the whole scheme to the point of, of the Salisbury steak and, and, and the Ravens basically cooking with a tenderloin, right? Like, the Vikings have the cast iron pan, but for whatever damn reason, they're still microwaving a steak, and I have no idea why. And Lamar Jackson comes in, and eventually he might get figured out a little bit because he's a dual-threat guy, and these Kaepernicks and Michael Vicks of the world, they, they eventually the book gets out on him. But the Ravens' offense, who has gone through like five different running backs this year because they've had injuries and ineffectiveness. They pick up Devonta Freeman off the street, and he's still establishing he's fine because they have Lamar bleeping Jackson to run their offense on a dual-threat side. And I know Lamar's are hard to find. He's an MVP. He could make a case for him to be winning another MVP this year. But I want a Lamar Jackson. That's the kind of quarterback that I absolutely would love to have because it gives you a completely different edge on an offensive game plan. But without the right coach... Yeah, It doesn't matter. That's the thing. Harbaugh said, okay, we're going to have to change everything here. And then he said, bring it on. We'll do it. So so you can have, I, I mean, the Vikings, Spielman could have said, I'm going to take this kid. Damn it, Mike. He is a star. I've seen it. I love him. Lamar Jackson's our guy. The Minnesota Vikings take Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and you know what? If Mike is like, well, that's fine, but I perceive him to be just this or or that, guess what? The Vikings have a guy who is then deemed a disappointment because they didn't change a thing. So so Phil's right. This comes down to, is your coach um, 
with the times and open-minded enough to morph and change things. And if he's not completely, then he should be your ex-coach. On Lamar Jackson, two things here come to mind. I think whenever whenever you get quarterback envy here, it feels like whether it's on Purple Daily or whether you're just you know talking to other Vikings fans, a common response back is, well, you know that like you can't just snap your fingers and create a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson. It's like, well, okay, you, right. You're not going to just clone Patrick Mahomes, and you're not just going to always like you know, draft a Lamar Jackson. But they don't even try. <laughs> Like, like the Vikings, they did draft Teddy Bridgewater in the first round, which is, you know, that's now, what, seven years ago, six, seven years ago that they made that draft pick. But it's like they're so content. Everyone's so content with Kirk because Kirk's like, you could make an argument that Kirk is like a top 10 quarterback on his best day. Well, there's only 32 teams in the league. We're not talking about just trying to sneak into the playoffs and eke your way above 500. We're talking about what does it take to win a championship? And, you know, if I can make a cross-sport comparison, watching that game yesterday, you know, Lamar was getting pressured on a regular basis. It wasn't like he had clean pockets. I mean, the Vikings defense did a really good job stifling him for sure in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I would say if if the NFL were the NBA, even though he's getting defenders running at him and he's getting thrown off his spot, like he can still create his own offense, like a Kevin Durant or like a you know, James Harden yeah. or a or Luca. You know, all right, we're going to run defenders at you. We're going to give you weird looks. We're going to try and get the ball out of your hands. And Luca is still going to drop 28 points and eight assists and 10 rebounds, right? And Kirk Cousins is more like the spot up shooter, where like he's like Steve Kerr, or, you know, think of your spot up shooter, where like, dude, if, that, if you get that guy eight clean looks, he's going to cash those threes and he's going to look amazing. But if, you've, if you're running him off the line and if you're throwing double teams at him and, or if he's taking the ball up the court and now it's up to you to get into the lane, right. it doesn't work as well. But if you give him a clean look, he's going to cash the three. But Lamar is so next level and Kyler is so next level. And Josh Allen, even going back to week one, Joe Burrow can make plays and create things out of thin air and throw a ball down the field and take a risk, right? Like, right. that's not who Kirk really ever has been and it's not who he is. So. Um, that's what I was the biggest difference I noticed yesterday is like Lamar threw a couple picks even, and just like, he's so dynamic and so great. He just, he just drives the offense regardless. But what should drive everybody crazy is the fact that the Vikings don't even have the infrastructure of coaching to make a Lamar Jackson pick possible right now. Like it would, it would be a waste of their time to take him because they wouldn't cultivate him. They wouldn't change a thing and it would be a disaster. That's, that's the pathetic thing. Like we are, we are talking about a guy who has no interest really in offense or his QB. So why are we talking about him still being head coach? Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we get to Judd's next statement here, listen. It's a disappointing, really, season for Vikings fans. But yesterday we had the rare glimpse into an Aaron Rodgers-less Packers team. And so while we sit here and wallow in our tears watching this Vikings team, let's take a brief moment here and celebrate the incompetence of the Green Bay Packers yesterday on national TV. This is Packers Ventline on Mackie and Judd. Go, Pack, go! I mean, he missed throws at D.A., but I did not like D.A.'s attitude looking at that kid and shaking his head and giving all that fast. I mean... Gary, you're going to go back and watch the film because I know you always do. You get the coach's copy. You go back and look at that, and he's looking right at Jordan, and he's giving them nasty looks. It's like, yo, man, the kid hasn't had any rhythm with you. 
How is he supposed to hit you all the time? You saw that, right? Oh, heck I did. <laughs> That's what I thought, too, watching oh, that heck. Packers game. I'm like, you know what? If Devontae Adams was just a little more right. open-minded how, about Jordan Love, then they would have been great. How great would it be if this franchise got, like, two solid years of just sort of, meh, quarterback play? How great would this be? Like, when they yeah. realize, oh, my God, uh, no Favre, no Rodgers, you know, Jordan Love's not that good. What what a eureka moment it is going to be for that entire state when they see what so many of us have seen for years, which is you occasionally just get a QB who's not that good. I mean, they had the eight-week stretch a few years ago of Brett Hundley, I think, or yeah. did, maybe Deshaun yeah. Kaiser got a start in there, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But they've never had, like, three years. I mean, there's 35-, 40-year-old Packer fans that don't remember 100%. pre-Rodgers, pre-Brett Favre. Uh, that was Chris and Brookfield, courtesy of our friends on the fan in Milwaukee's Green and Gold postgame show. Uh, let's hear some uh, from some more sad Packers fans here, Declan. I pretty much, you know, knew Jordan Love. I mean, we saw what he is today. He's he's horrible. He is. He, <laughs> I don't he, think I don't think horrible is the word. He's one for ten on third down. Yeah, but you you here's what you have. Hold on, Jerry. But one thing, <laughs> he's not horrible. You cannot. He's get not horrible. Of Jordan Love. He's, he's, he's putting the host on hold. Yeah, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> just Gary, just give me a Gary, second. I got more to say about Jordan Love. Yeah. He is horse bleep. <laughs> Gary, just hold on. This is my show, Gary. Yeah, one second. This is my show. This is your quarterback of the future, Packer fans. <laughs> Bravo. All right, I need another one, Dax. Right, I need another go. one. Go, Pat, go! I'd rather have the defense play the way they did today with a loss than to win this game. I mean, I'm extremely uh, impressed. I don't know, and I'll ask you guys. It just appears that it's just not the scheme or the coach. It almost says if the individual talent is better. But I'm uh, greatly impressed, uh, especially with the loss by the. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Wait, what? he's got a okay. so he's got an old school phone totally. first of all, which is totally. great. He's calling from his landline in his house <laughs> and pushing the numbers. Okay, is he, so oh wait, God. so so he said he'd rather the Packers have lost and showed some fight defensively yes. than have won the game. Yes, I have no clue what he was. <laughs> yes, that's what he, he also said. clearly has not watched any Kansas City Chiefs football this season because their offense has looked bad all year. Oh my god! Oh my yeah, he god, thought dude. that they're like the seventy-five Steelers. Yeah, I would. Ra- dude, we have is. Mean Joe Green. Wow, <laughs> that big dude. Okay, all right, all right, Judd. Back to you. Back to uh, Viking statements. I wish I could hit, hit a phone. I wish I could hit <laughs> five, five, five. Oh my god, that's six, five, one. Yeah, April. that's great. Yeah, oh, yeah dude, six, four, hilarious. six. Okay, uh, to provide <laughs> to provide some context to, to the offensive disaster. That took place for just a huge portion of the game in Baltimore on Sunday. Here's my statement. It's a statement of fact. Adam Thielen had two receptions for six yards. Or to give it context, only one more reception and one more yard than tight end Luke Stocker, who many of you have never heard of before, did in the same game. I still don't know if that's a real guy. 
Yeah, like, I, I don't. I've, I've, he's caught a couple passes this year. I must have missed them. I don't know. He caught one. I on, watch very intricately every game. I've, he sounds like the boyfriend on a sitcom show that's there Luke for like Stalker? three episodes or something, yeah. and then he's off the show. You know, like just a they kill him off. Right? Yeah, yeah. They get killed. Luke's off. dead. Oh no! Right. Let's write a Luke storyline. Yeah. But Lou, I believe Luke Stocker's first game being active, if I'm not mistaken, was last Sunday night against the Cowboys. But anyway, just the context there. Think about that. Adam Thielen, two receptions, six yards. Luke Stocker, one for five yards. That's what we're dealing with here. And that's not getting into what Phil brought up about Conklin's targets. Uh, Jefferson catching a 50-yard touchdown pass, and then I believe catching two more passes the rest of the day for a total of 19 yards. Just that that's just one morsel, one example of what the Vikings are doing to forget self-scout, self-sabotage themselves. Yeah. They are self-sabotaging. Right. I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to piggyback here. Off the, all right. Uh, off of your point about offensive ineptitude, two offensive sequences yesterday told you everything you need to know about Mike Zimmer, Clint Kubiak, Kirk Cousins as a dynamic offensive trio. All right. So with a 14-point lead in the first half on the road, kind of just a surprisingly great start, right? Mm -hmm. You've got this team on the ropes early, and now you've got the ball back, a chance to expand on a 14-point lead. Here it is, guys. Freaking stick. I think this might have been after the Bynum interception. I'm trying to think of the timing, but like... It was. They, okay, so they get the ball back, and they're ready. Like, dude, step on their throats. Go up by three touchdowns. Just, Just throttle this team right now. And they come out of the gate with a tight end screen to Conklin that gets basically nothing. A handoff to Alex Madison. So, again, chance to step on a team's throat. And, like, Alex Madison's in the game? He's, he's good, but, like, why, why is Del- this is a pivotal point in the game. Why is Dalvin Cook not in the game to ensure that you're going to score a touchdown here, right? And then they bring Dalvin Cook back on third down, and they run the ball on third and short, and he gets stuffed and you give the ball right back to the Ravens. And it was at that moment, as soon as they threw the tight end screen and handed off to Madison, I'm like, wow, they're literally waving the white flag. They're literally going full conservative. Because mm-hmm. in, in Zimmer's mind, and probably in Kubiak's mind, it's less about stomping on this team's head and getting a 14-point lead to 21. Yep. And it's more about, let's not do anything crazy here. Let's not give the ball back on a pick six or something. Like, they're thinking what bad things could happen as opposed to, okay, how can we get Justin Jefferson open again for some sort of 50-yard bomb? Um, and that, so that was the first one. The second one came after Anthony Barr's clutch, ridiculous interception, right? Um yeah, right over there. Somebody might have just fallen that, through that, the ceiling is that there. Packer vent line? Is that are those, sure those guys that, up there? Yeah. Like the toilet yeah. flushing. Yeah. I'm at my in laws right now, <sighs> and there's just noise. Um, so Barr picks off a pass, <laughs> and the Vikings need like 20 yards, maybe 25 to get into field goal range, and they go swing pass to Dalvin, nothing. Second and long run. This yeah. is late in the game, right? Second and long run, nothing. Time. Yeah, right. And then a third and long debacle because it's like third and 10 or third and 12. And now the defense is coming at you, right? Just like the least creative, most conservative crap in the most key moments of this game. And those two drives right there, like there's nothing else you need to know. Those are like, here it is, guys. Chance to throw some haymakers. Ooh, tight end hey. screen. Ooh, swing pass. Handoff up the middle. It's like no Justin Jefferson, no Adam Thielen, nothing dynamic. Mind-blowing. All right. This is, we're, we're just, look at us. We're just firing on all cylinders right here. I'll, I'll piggyback off that, too, because my statement is 
when you have a chance at the kill shot, you go for the kill shot. So you're you're on the road here. This is you have you have you have figured out a way to after blowing your lead, still figuring out a way to win this game. And you could go for two points. You could go for two because basically you need a win today. Don't don't play for the tie. You're playing to lose in that situation. You need you can have you have a chance to get a big win on the road and basically save your season. And instead, Mike Zimmer goes for the PAT. And when asked about it, here's what he said. After the game tying touchdown, did you give any thought um, to going for two or was it? Yeah, I thought about it. Um, you know, they got a heck of a kicker. Still had you know over a minute left and three timeouts, I believe it was. Okay, Zim, my guy. I know Justin Tucker is like the best kicker in the world. He hit like a sixty-six yarder earlier this season to dagger the Lions. But here's what I don't get: Zimmer just gave a kicker credit there, right? He literally just put trust into another kicker, and instead of instead, you wanted to just play for a tie, which is a losing mentality. Dan Campbell has the stones to go for two. Dan Campbell. And at different circumstances, but similar that you're on the road and you need a win today. And Mike Zimmer, for whatever reason, is too scared to do it. I think you should have went for two. I really think you should have done it, and you could have gotten the win. Well, okay, let's unpack this. So his logic doesn't make sense. I'm not necessarily saying he should have gone for two. Like, I understand with the NFL's overtime rules, like, all right, let's tie it. Maybe we get the coin toss or whatever, like... You know, would I have loved it if he went for two? Yes. Am I going to demand that he should have gone for two? No. But when he says, well, they have a really good kicker, and uh, and so that's why we... Well, but their kicker can also win the game when it's tied. Yes. Like, he can win the game whether they're losing or tied also in that true. spot. Yeah, I So don't... His, his, his logic didn't make any sense. No, but, I, but you know what, Phil, to go back to... After the Bynum pick, and you are at the 16, and you have a chance, as as you said, to step on a team's throat. How does this coaching staff preach with a straight face to its players? You know, we got to get out, out of these close. Quit playing close games. Like we got to win. They're, they've literally told them, and they're right. But they've told the players, you know, we have to. We can't make every game so close. And then, when you got a chance to take the kill shot on the road, which you unequivocally should do. You as a coaching staff say, we can't do that. So how do the players process, okay, hold on a second. We're supposed to create more separation and potentially win games big, and you don't give us the chance to. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's the response? See, this, this, again, is where I just think the coaching staff has lost this group. There's no credibility there then. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so, again, so let me go back to this one nugget, and then we, we got to get to our guy. Uh, I'm hoping he's okay. Oh, I, I don't know. No, Randy and Kyle might be resigned at this point, or just drunk. He's probably still drunk. Mm -hmm. But the last two weeks, however, it needs to happen. How do you go? So Tyler Conklin has fourteen targets the last two weeks. Justin Jefferson has nine. And by the way, I think there's more than I think there's even more targets in the universe for Justin Jefferson than just robbing Tyler Conklin of them. But how do you go from? Let's get let's get five to eight of those Tyler Conklin targets and get them to Justin Jefferson. Is it scheme? Is it cousins? Like they're gonna say, well, offensive line this. That is such a cop out. And Alex Boone told us last Tuesday, is the offensive line amazing? No. Are the pockets still mostly clean? Like sixty to sixty five percent clean? Yes. There's time. That throw to Jefferson for a touchdown. 
Yeah, I think the Vikings and some fans would want you to believe that, well, that's only there like once every lunar eclipse. No, that plays there multiple times a game if they want it to be, if they want to take some risks. Yeah. So, so how do you get five or six or eight targets from your backup tight end over to one of the best receivers in the NFL? That's how you avoid close games. So, so it's not that hard. It's third down, I believe, OT after the bar pick, which, by the way, if you're the Vikings, is a must score. I cannot ask my defense to go out there again and stop Lamar Jackson when they are at 80-plus plays. Like, they are gassed. They're done. Barr has given us a gift. You have to score. Field goal. Wins it. You leave with a win. And the Ravens do no disguise and show blitz. So on third down, everybody is coming up. Kirk Cousins can see it. And I don't know if this is all Kirk. I don't know if it's Clinton Kirk. I don't know whom. But how do you not check into an appropriate play? Kirk Cousins literally dropped back with the design play and threw the ball into the ground because he was scared. Because, mm-hmm. But that they showed full blitz. Like this whole league is about, at that point in time, it's snap second, adjusting. Okay, we're changing. Kill, kill, kill. That's a, Je- that's a Jefferson shot right there. Mm-hmm. They, everybody's coming. Nobody's left, right? Yep. And they still ran the design play. Who yep. is and that? Pe- and, and, how? and the def- and the defenders are going to tell you, well, what's he supposed to do? There's pressure in his face. Watch other NFL games. But the pressure is... Watch other NFL games. There's pressure in every well, quarterback's face in those situations. But it's telegraphed. What he's supposed to do is crystal clear. At the line of scrimmage, you check into another play that yes. fr- that frees up a receiver who's by the way, who, by the way, is going to be free down the field, right? Yeah. All right, we're going to collect ourselves here for a second and see if our guy Randy... In Cottage Grove is uh, alive and breathing. And we'll get some bonus statements later. Don't forget Vikings Vent Line on Purple Daily from last night if you want just a good, like, 90-minute therapy session. Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. Yeah, we got away from it a little bit. We, You know, we're trying to get the ball to Dalvin some some more, obviously. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, they were <clears throat> they were loading up and, and uh, you know, a lot, bringing a lot of different pressures on us. We hit them early on some pressures, you know, the the, the – pass that uh, C.J. Ham caught was a um, big-time pressure. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mike Zimmer just trying to explain away another disappointing Vikings loss there. You know, the most passionate and I would say studious Vikings fan we know is Randy in Cottage Grove. Uh, Randy Vikes 69 if you guys want to follow him on Twitter. Uh, Randy, how you doing this morning? Uh, not not good. Um, the 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 bottom of the barrel is where we're at, uh, and uh, yet another uh, you know frustrating, avoidable, uh, close close loss. And uh, this team could be could be undefeated right now, in my estimation. Mm. And instead, we're uh, a turd circle in the drain. Yeah. Well, listen, we kind of thought it would be, you know, I know you'll get to your uh, your stable here in a second. We kind of thought you were a little bit down a in the dumps. Stable. It'll be a dud stable. Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, we thought that we could cheer you up here with a little something we like to call Packers Vent Line. If you're open to it, Randy, would you would you, yeah, would you like I, a little I, Packers I Vent Line? It. That, that might make me a little, a little snug. I get a rise out of that. Okay, okay. all right. Here we go. So here it is, Packer Vent Line. Okay. <laughs> People are on here trying to uh, say that you can't criticize Jordan Love and he doesn't deserve to be criticized or held accountable for the game today. That's bullcrap. 
when you're taking as a first-round pick as a replacement of the quarterback where you're a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're susceptible to be for, for judgment as well as being ridiculed if you didn't play white. He didn't play well today. He looked like he didn't belong out there. He looked like he's not ready for the moment. It's a very rare thing, I think, Randy, for Packer fans to to watch poor quarterback play like that. So courtesy of our friends on the fan in Milwaukee, but well, they got a the, the whole franchise has a golden horseshoe. Yeah, their luck, their luck box franchise. Uh, you go, yeah. you, you you get one Hall of Fame quarterback for you know twenty five years, and then another. So that's not that's not how it works in the rest of the league. We got a lot of retreads. We got a lot of overpriced guys who they put the leash on. You know, I, I wake up, wake up to the reality. Uh, you know, Packer fans, this is the feeling you have today is the feeling that we have forever, and it sucks and it stinks, and Yag helps, but then the next day your Yagerator breaks and you gotta oh, no. figure that out. It didn't break, uh, did it? Yeah, I, they're both on the fritz. Oh no! Oh, you have more than one Jagerator. You got to have a backup. Well, what happened? A, if you're having a gathering, what happened? You you didn't break it out of frustration, Randy, did you? So, no, one of my pals was trying to replace one of the bottles we cashed, and he I told him he got to lift straight up and out, and he tried to pull it to the side and broke the neck off in his glass. Oh, my God. No. This is tragic. No. This is an absolute. This is how it's been going for me. It's not been good. The dating apps are not working well. Uh, And the season is a turd. And and I don't even feel like mocking anymore. What's the point? We're going to, what are we going to do? Draft a, draft another stiff. Uh, The whole, the whole thing is, is frustrating. Uh, you know, Kirk can't. He's chucking the fullbacks thirty yards down the field, and what? What is that kind of a bozo? Well, that's that, an that amazing. You know, you, you, should, you bow down to CJ Ham. That was an amazing yeah. catch by CJ Ham. CJ Ham belongs. He knows his role. Okay, he knows his role. There's a lot of lot of guys on this team who, who haven't haven't lived up to expectations, and and that's because a lot of the people in charge haven't li- lived up to expectations. And that starts at the top. I mean, it really just starts at the top. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, there's an end of an era. It's the end of an era. Uh, it just, the writing's on the wall. You know, I just wish you, they could fire everybody. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. Just clean the whole house out. Clean it all out. I, I feel like that might be a preview of your, your dud stable. I'm gonna. I've, I've, I don't think we should waste any more time yeah, here. I'm kind of curious ahead. to see I, who's. I, I'm, gonna, music. I'm gonna. I'm gonna unload. Yep. Here we okay. go. All right, we got the music fired up. This is the yep. Week Nine Dud Stable from Randy and Cottage Grove. This is Week Nine. Uh, we loaded our shorts again in another close game, and it's it this time the the, the stable is going to be all people who are paid to get the most. Out of uh, out of a very talented roster with a lot of studs on it, they're not doing it. Matter of fact, they're not. They're not living up to any expect. Randy, Randy, dude, it's take a breath. I'm sorry, I don't mean to. I don't mean to laugh, but like, it's okay, man. Take a breath. It's this okay. Team should dude. be undefeated, and that, that that this team should be undefeated, or at least one loss, maybe two, and that should piss a lot of people off. If it doesn't piss you off, Ziggy Wolf, Mark Wolf, Leonard Wolf, 
You're all done. Randy, if you okay, if you need Randy. a second just yeah. to collect yourself right, here, man, it's, it's okay. Andrew we can... Miller. A lot of people don't know your name, Andrew Miller. You're the chief operating officer. Some people might say it's a more of a business role. Yeah. Well, business isn't very good at the team store right now. I bet. Andrew Miller, you're dud. Just freaking random. He just went online and found Mikey's Rick Spielman, go ahead and go ahead and try to draft a guy who can contribute in year one. Not this this clown show. This isn't going well. Rick Spielman, take a hike. You're done. Okay. Kubiak. I don't know what you learned from your old man. Maybe how to crack a beer or take a pinch of school, but not not how to call a game, that's for sure. Not that kind of school. Clint Kubiak, you're done. Andrew Janoko, quarterback's coach. A lot of people, you just get a free pass, apparently. Why don't you teach the guy we're paying a lot of scratch how to throw it 20 yards? Andrew Janoko, you're done. Mm. Kennedy Pulavalu. I don't know if you're related to Troy or not, but he's twice the man you are. And these running backs don't have any kind of moxie. Delvin can, you know, bulldoze a guy if he wants to. Kennedy, look, take a look in the mirror. You're a dud. Mm-hmm. Keaton McCarnell, well, you might have been an okay receiver in your day, but these this day, you got to tell your guys to, 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 to call for the ball. Kirk's got to force it in there, and you got to tell him to Rope here and be confident. Keenan McCarta, you're done. Jeez, right. What? Randy, I don't know if we have. I don't know if we have time Ryan to go Perry, through the whole. Co- some of the tight ends in this team have, have underachieved. <laughs> Herb Smith <laughs> is a is a loss we, we couldn't handle. Luke Stockers, but Brian, it's your job to get more out of the talent on this squad. Brian Periani, you're done. Maybe we can just say that all the coaches are duds and just move on to Randy. I'm worried about players. you. Yeah, line coach Ben Steele. I really liked some of the things you were looking at in, in camp, but not anymore, Ben. Pull, pull some guys. Don't be afraid to kind of pull up you guys. Ben Steele, you're a dud. All right, all right. I think Randy. I think I think, I think we got to be done control? here. With you might be the senior offensive advisor. All right, that's enough. All right, okay. just yeah, all right, all right. We gotta go. All right. uh, we gotta go. Okay, you're not I worried feel like about for, him for, for his for his own good. I feel like you're not concerned yeah. about him at all. Like we just allowed a man to go who is crying on the phone. No, I'm I'm very concerned. I'm very about worried we, about we're doing him right a show now. here. We can't. Just... He's picking on. I mean, he's down to, to like quality control guys, equipment guys. Yeah, we can't. I mean, listen, like merchandise guys. We got to get. On, we gotta, I think he went gotta, online and just looked at at the whole like uh, I mean, team personnel page and just started to pick out. Keenan McCardell. What did he? Uh, Keenan McCardell might not be good. We don't know. That's a good point by Randy. Actually, do you, do you think he's got all those guys' names listed like uh, Steve Buscemi on his wall or? I well, you know what? We him. we won't find out now because we disconnected from a man who I'm very concerned about. I think. I think it was for the best. I might be concerned about the public involved as well. I, I think they need to beat the Chargers if I, next week. If I work to TCO, sake. let's just say I might want security walking to me in my car. God. Uh, by the way, speaking of by risk management, uh, Federated's here to help you you're business welcome. owners out there. Welcome Whether you're that. looking to protect your bottom line or protect your employees, just making sure that you've got a great guiding hand helping to navigate your business and maximize 
its uh, potential for success. Federated's been around for over 100 years, and they've been a big partner of ours here on Mackie and Judd and at Score North for a number of years as well. You can find out more information about the industries Federated protects and the tools and resources they offer at federatedinsurance.com. Remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys, let's get to some bonus statements here. I think we should take at least one more lap of Viking stuff because I definitely have more on my plate there. Um, I'm just, I'll just give you guys one here okay. real quick. Mason Cole might already be better than Garrett Bradbury. So the PFF grades came out where they, you know, they take a deep look into the work that everyone in the trenches does. And Dex, congratulations on you hit this and write that down. I think on Purple yeah. Daily. So uh, he had a 74.6 PFF grade out of 100, which is like, that's good. It's like an above average performance. So it's been 14 games since Garrett Bradbury had a grade that high. And only three times in his 41 career games, including playoffs, has Garrett Bradbury posted a grade of 74.6 or better. So I don't know if it's sustainable. Mason Cole was, you know, he's a backup for a reason, but he's in his mid-20s. He's still pretty young. Mm -hmm. And he posted a better PFF grade yesterday than Bradbury has in 14 games. Which speaks to... Not the fact that Cole is this this huge find. It speaks to how bad Bradbury is. And if he was anything but a first-round pick, he would have been benched and probably cut a year ago. That's what it speaks to. Like, that is pathetic. That is, when, when you are looking, you're literally, like, trying to justify it um, as, as, well, Cole played, you know, he I think he played okay. But the reality of the statement is this guy, Guy, Bradbury is such a huge bust. And, like, we probably don't talk about this enough. First-round pick. He's one. Is, is, is he one of he's the worst? He's a huge bust. He's not like, you know, they've had some really bad busts. Like, Christian Ponder is like Mount Rushmore of Vikings busts. Treadwell. Among, Treadwell. among mm-hmm. Spielman busts, Ponder, Treadwell, Bradbury's probably third. I mean, Khalil had a Pro Bowl season, even though he was a bust. At least he went to a Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah he didn't start out a bust, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is bad. It's really it's bad. awful. <laughs> it's awful. All right. My statement is this, and it's both going to be positive and a little bit of a, I don't know so much. Cameron. Here comes Jim. Here comes the statement, Jim. Here comes the That's right. Judd approaches the line of scrimmage, and here's a statement. Cameron Bynum now has one more interception then Harrison Smith and Bynum started in, in Smith's place because Hitman Harry was on the COVID list and is going to miss next Sunday's game. But Cam Bynum, first of all, it was a gorgeous pick. Second of all, I think he played okay. And I've been asking all season long, is it just me or does it feel like the Hitman ain't, ain't making the impact plays that the Hitman ordinarily makes? Bynum made a great diving pick. That was a tough play. I think more and more we are seeing that uh, the potential was there for for the Vikings to have said to Harrison, we really like you, and you are a ring of honor guy for sure, but it might be time instead of we will re-sign you. So Cam Bynum was actually the highest graded Vikings defensive player, according to PFF. By 27 points on a 1 to 100 scale yesterday. Wow. wow. It was great. So Cam Bynum got a 90 grade defensively, and Cam Dantzler was the second highest graded player at 63.8. Bynum had the amazing highlight reel interception. 
He also had 11 tackles, which was second behind Eric Hendricks in that game. I mean, he was making plays, and you know there was some steam when he was drafted too. That like, God, this guy could do a bunch of different things for you. And uh, you know, I feel like the Vikings historically have done a pretty good job not going overboard paying for past performance. With Harrison Smith, they're paying for past performance. Yeah, and they brought Xavier Woods, and I think it's a I think it's a one year guaranteed contract, um, and he's younger than Harrison Smith. But God, that Harrison Smith contract right now, it's. You know, it's it's a little deceiving because he's not going to fulfill like all five or six years or whatever it is. But like, he's one of your highest paid players into his thirties right. and mid thirties. And you you know, again, one game doesn't make a career. But Cam Bynum's a guy that I'd like to see more of. Well, he was really good yesterday. Yes, and and Smith is a guy who at the trade deadline last year, when your team was one and five, you should have traded. And maybe this year. Yeah, but I mean, but he, you but you signed him to the extension. So yeah, I, no, but. Last year was the perfect chance, right? You stink. Um, say, Harry, we're doing you a favor. We're going to send you to a team that's actually competitive because he can help a team for sure. Mm-hmm. But this whole thing about, oh, my God, he's been here and, you know, he should retire a Viking. And th- this team at times drives me crazy because the loyalty in this day and age of pro sports is dumb. Like Harrison Smith, Zim, if you're such a cutthroat coach, move on. Move on. If Cam Bynum can play, he's on a rookie contract. He's dirt cheap. But and, he's not a cutthroat defensive coach. And I know, I know. But he the, was with Xavier but Rhodes. That's where but, the that's incons- really but that's where the inconsistency really bothers me. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right, Declan? Uh, my bonus Viking statement is simple. It's free Kene Nuwangu. Kene Nuwangu with a big kick return touchdown yesterday in the game. And I know he started the season on the injured reserve list, but we saw this in training camp. Um, he was a, a, a nice player at Iowa State. Certainly wasn't the featured back there, but was uh, returned a lot of kicks. And I think this also proves, just like Alexander Madison, why you just you, you don't pay for running backs. You can find awesome guys like this in the later rounds. Alexander Madison, Kene Nuwangu, who are fun scat backs and guys that can still be productive. And for him to return a kick uh, in, in today's day and age, is, I mean, that, that just doesn't happen anymore. Kick return touchdowns are, are a rarity. And for him to give his team a jolt, and you kind of thought when that happened that, all right, the Vikings are winning a turnover battle. They just got a kick return for a touchdown. Things are going swimming and swimmingly, and you still figure out a way to lose the game, which is frustrating. But I think Kane Nuwangu stepping in and getting a big kick return touchdown, and I want him more feet. I want him featured more. If CJ Ham can get a wheel route down the field, put the ball in Kane Nuwangu's hands as well. I, Jefferson huh? on the pecking order. He's still, Nuwangu is still low. I get that. He's above Luke Stocker. He shouldn't be above. He, you know, he shouldn't be above Justin Jefferson. But I thought Kane Nuwangu had a great performance yesterday. Free Kane Nuwangu. That's speed, yeah, dude. Explosive, man. That's mm-hmm. speed. How do you not have a package of plays? So it doesn't. Ha- he does not ha- have to play a ton. But how do you not with that speed, which we all saw in training camp? So like this is not a. Oh my God! I didn't know he could play. He is a guy that if any any coach who had an idea offensively, McVay, Reed, that list would have a package of plays for him instantly. Yep. Yeah, okay, this guy is one of the fastest players in the NFL. Like, how can we get in the ball three times on offense a game? Correct. And see if he can break a play, right? A little Correct. whatever, a little screen, little 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 jet sweep or something. Yep. You know, I, th- I thought the Vikings were turning a corner the first two plays of the game. They run they ran a jet sweep to Justin Jefferson to start the game. <laughs> of course. And then they ran jet sweep action on the second play and handed off, I think, to Dalvin Cook and got a big gain. 
And it was like, okay, all right, here we go. Movement, creativity, here we go. You know, deep pass to Justin Jefferson. Oh, the script is good. Yeah, and then the script goes away, and it's like, oh, God, what do we do? Well, this is confusing. Yeah, and and this idea of, of let's dump the ball off to Cook, okay? Imagine if that is Declan's guy. If that's Kane with that speed, he he literally cuts without stopping. It's the damnedest thing. I don't know how. But it's a gift. He makes cuts and he doesn't slow down. If if the Ravens blitzed and you dumped the ball off to him, he'll gain thirty yards. And yet you're like, well, he can't play yet. He's not prepared. No, he he was hurt. He has to suffer for being hurt. More Conklin. More Conklin. More Stalker. What does it say <laughs> when your special teams right uh, now is the most creative um, <laughs> facet that you have? Your special teams is right now. I love me a fake punt. More so than defense, unfortunately. Offense is not close. But yes, fake punt Ugh. and Nuwungu returning is a game changer. Can I say, too, that it felt like the Ravens, because it was that fake punt, the Ravens, they weren't like fully fooled on it. You know, like their defenders kind of keyed in. Okay, here, this is happening right now. Yeah. And Nuwangu just like. He blows by the edge and winds up picking the yards anyways because he's one of the fastest players in the NFL. So um, I got I got one more here on the Vikings front. It's more of like a league-wide thing, but yeah. that was a garbage horse collar call mm. right off the bat, first defensive series of the game on DJ Wanham in the first quarter. Um, I am glad that it didn't come up on Ventline yesterday because even though they did lose by three, the three points that the Ravens were gifted, there were so many other things in that game that held the – the Vikings back. So I'm glad that that was, I, I kind of thought, oh man, we're, we're going to focus too much on that bad call, but it was a mind boggling bad call. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it opens up just a bigger discussion again about why 15 yard penalties aren't reviewable. And that one was a defi- like, like face masks are defined, right? The horse collar is defined. It's the letters of the Jersey and above. You can't grab a guy from behind letters of the Jersey and above. And Wanham grabbed Lamar Jackson, I think it was Lamar Jackson, right in the middle of the number eight. And so you could easily go and, and you know, put it on the coaches. If, the, if you know, there's a 15-yard penalty called, and then the coach can decide if he wants to challenge or not. It doesn't have to just go be an automatic review. You know, I don't need, we don't need to be robbing, you know, two and three minutes of game flow here. But that should have been challengeable, and it was just a bad call. And it did affect the game. Yeah. The Vikings, the Vikings had so much momentum, they turned the ball over, right? So that was garbage. Yeah, they now they they did get some calls too because I thought that the uh, PI that the Vikings got that was called for Conklin in the end zone on the fourth down pass, which was broken up or incomplete, was a questionable call too. So it shifted both ways. But yeah, I mean, that's one because to your point, Phil, it's not subjective that you you could have just fixed. I got one one more too, and here's my statement: Don't be stupid. All right. End of the first half, the Vikings have the ball, and they have been criticized in recent weeks, and well-deserved, right, for not trying to take a shot. Like, you kneel constantly. Um, End of the first half, instead of being like, let's let Kirk take a shot, they act like they're going to kneel. And then then they try a little sneaky handoff to Dalvin Cook, which only, as Schler said on this, he's right, which only could have resulted in disaster. I mean, there's nothing else that could have. So your your comeback to us cranky fans 
And people in the media, your comeback of will show you is I'm going to act like I'm going to kneel and then hand the ball to Cook. Don't be stupid. Don't don't be dumb. That's dumb. It's, it's almost childish. like they, they, it's like they went in saying, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna put some wrinkles and we're gonna do a fake punt and then we're gonna do like a weird deceptive fake kneel down and uh, and we're gonna throw one deep pass to Justin Jefferson. Like that's how we're gonna mix it up with those three things today. It's gonna be great." I mean, did no. they really think that Cook was going to break away and score? Like, that's what they thought. <laughs> that's know. what they thought. They put in so where dumb. where every other team in this godforsaken league calls, calls rightfully so, for a Hail Mary pass deep down the field. These guys called for a handoff that you'll well, never where see were, Okay, remind me, where were they on the field? They were in Baltimore territory, left? so it would have taken – if Kirk had passed the, the ball, they? it wouldn't have gotten – yeah, I'm pretty sure. Hold on a second. I got the – I got the play-by-play play right here. I they think were. They, they were. couldn't have been in Baltimore territory. No, I that. think they were. Hold, so, no, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let's see here. So no, wait, I'm going to pull it up here, too. All right, all right. Because if they were in Baltimore territory, they would have either kicked a long field goal or oh, no, thrown no, to the end zone. I'm sorry. Vikings, 25. Yeah, I was going to say. I misspoke. But okay, yeah, so fake, you're wrong, Zolgan. Right, I'm wrong. <laughs> but fake kneel by the quarterback. That's your, <laughs> oh, we'll show you. You think we don't design plays. <laughs> hey, Kirk, just yeah, hand it off and they'll never guess. I mean, just let them launch the ball down the field. Yeah, that was Mickey Mouse. All right, back to uh, Declan here. All right. I got a hockey statement from uh, last weekend's Minnesota Wild win, or yesterday's Minnesota Wild win over the New York Islanders involving my guy Kevin Fiala. And my statement is I wouldn't worry about it. That's my statement. I wouldn't worry about it. So Kevin Fiala has now gone 10 consecutive games. 10 consecutive games without a goal. He scored on opening night. He did have a shootout uh, goal against the Penguins on, on Saturday, but that doesn't count towards your goal statistics. But 10 consecutive games without a goal. He hasn't had a stretch like that in Minnesota since being acquired in March of 2019. So basically it's been two and a half years since the last time Kevin Fiala's went uh, 10 plus games without scoring a goal. But when you look at the depth of this team, that other players are stepping up and, and scoring big goals. Judd and I were talking yesterday on Judd's Hockey Show about how if you're opposition, if you're the opponent, can you shut down Kirill and can you beat us still? Because that was what that's what Vegas did in the playoff series. We'll shut down Kirill Kaprizov and then can Marcus Felinos and Ryan Hartmans, even Kevin Fiala, can they end up beating us? And so far, Kirill Kaprizov with just two goals, Kevin Fiala with just one goal, but yet the Wild are still winning games, and other guys are stepping up and scoring big-time goals. And on Fiala's front, just from his analytics and everything else, he is getting extremely unlucky. I mean, his course he is through the roof, meaning when he's on the ice, he's creating chances. He's been noticeably uh, still setting up plays. He's shooting a ton. His shooting percentage is criminally low. There's definitely a volcano, I think, that's going to be erupting here soon with him, and then the goals will start coming. But just one goal in 11 games, there could be panic there. And the, and the Wild definitely need Fiala to be a goal scorer. He's paid to be a goal scorer. They don't really pay him for moral victories. But I, I personally wouldn't worry about his goal drought reaching 10 games. Everything's going to be okay with him. Yeah, I think it's kind of amazing that like they haven't gotten the best. It doesn't feel like they've reached their best offensive effort yet. And here they sit. like They're off to a really good start. So I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a bad sign, but it's also a good sign. Unless you think Fiala has just like devolved as a player or something. No, which I don't he's playing that well. to be the case. He's playing well. Oh, and wait, they are, they're a team that plays close games, and they win them. Mm-hmm. But the Vikings, I mean, the Bengals game, if there had just been something different there, and yesterday, if they're right, eventually you're just a bad team. Well, like here's you, the t- you either win games or you don't win games. On the close games front, too, 
it's you know it's it's so easy to get caught up in well so these are close games and if this one little thing would have been different if you right. miss if you make a kick right but there's there's another world out there where you're not playing in close games because you've done something to mm-hmm. score more points <laughs> or you've like you've you've been more aggressive in certain situations like the Vikings don't have to play all close games yeah other teams get blowout victories because they keep their foot on the gas pedal you can too Absolutely. What a novel concept. Well, and two close games might be bad luck. Might be bad luck, right? I got some bad luck going here. You get to three and four, you're just not very good. Yeah. All right, my last statement for you guys is P.J. Fleck is one of the worst in-game coaches in college football, but he makes up for it by bringing in pretty good <laughs> rosters and so marketing. True. I mean, he is one of the brilliant. So like, he's, he's a great recruiter. They're bringing in more talent than they've had. You know, they're, you know, they're four running backs deep. Um, but he is such a bad in-game coach, and Tanner Morgan is so bad at quarterback. We're going, well, how was he so good in 2019? Oh, I don't know. Did you see Rashad Bateman in an NFL game yesterday? Every catch yeah. is a first down. Yeah. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tyler Johnson was an NFL, you know, third, fourth-round draft pick, whatever he was. So you take away NFL receivers, and now you're you're getting exposed. So that was an embarrassing loss. The Bowling Green loss was even more embarrassing. <laughs> You know, just think about where you'd be at if you didn't have these embarrassing. You're double digit. You're a fourteen and a half point favorite at home. You're a thirty point favorite at home. You can't win by a field goal and keep your season alive. So I don't know, man. I'm um, I'm kind of out on PJ, the in game coach. I don't know what to do about that though because he's the head coach. Yeah, he's the head coach. So like, you can't really fix it. <sighs> to piggyback off that point, I agree. I think the kids love him, and I think he can recruit. Really well. But I would go so far as to say the entire coaching thing, including who I employ to call plays, is questionable. Like like everything that starts with, okay, the the rah-rah personality stuff uh, stops here, okay? And now it's coaching, and you got to hire the right people, and on game day, um, he's just questionable. Mike Sanford Jr. being allowed to call plays for this team is criminal. It's a criminal act. Clint Kubiak and Mike Sanford Jr. should be called into separate offices today and relieved of what they're doing. And I know I know I'm the fire people guy, but honest to God, if you want to send them both to me, I'm done here about one or so, I'll fire them both. I mean, they are that performance. I went that performance on Saturday was inexcusable again, inexcusable for that team. And by the way, I think, by the way, by the way, the way, unfortunately, I've become convinced that the Vikings are just sort of a lost cause. Go for football. Didn't need to be like this. Didn't need to be. Are you telling me Zach Anikstad is so bad at quarterback now that as Tanner makes bad decisions and gets flustered and struggles? Are you telling me Zach Anikstad, who, if you go back, I think three, three years or so, Beat out Tanner Morgan for the starting job. Cannot get on the field, Phil. He can't get on the field. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm with you on this. So let's let's talk about Mike Sanford Jr. here for a second. Oh God. <laughs> so he was he was he was the head coach at Western Kentucky for two years in 2017 18. Western Kentucky, Conference USA. Okay, it was so bad they fired him after his second season. They went three and nine and two and six in Conference USA after they were they were six and seven and four and four uh, in conference in, in his first year and then lost a bowl game. 
It was so bad. They said, dude, we don't even need a third year. You're just not the guy at Western Kentucky. Okay. All right. So then he dusts himself off and he becomes the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Utah State in 2019. Why is that important? Jordan Love was the quarterback at Utah State. Okay. So Jordan Love's first two seasons. Let's go to Jordan Love's uh, sophomore season, his breakout season at Utah State. One year before, in 2018, one year before Sanford Jr. arrived. Mm -hmm. 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, and one of the uh, eight and a half yards per attempt, one of the best passer ratings in college football. Like that sophomore year put Jordan Love on the map as a potential first round draft pick down the road. Sanford Jr. comes in as the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach the next year, and Jordan Love goes from six picks to 17. The touchdowns go from 32 down to 20. The yards per attempt go from 8.6 to 7.2. And then he comes to Minnesota. And Tanner Morgan, again, Morgan had NFL receivers in 2019. But Sanford Jr., I think it's been, what, this is year two of Sanford Jr. as the uh, offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach. And Tanner Morgan is is a lot worse now than he was two years ago. So this dude is, (laughs) I don't know, man. He's This dude ain't it, I guess is what I'm saying. Chris Ottman-Bell is on your team, and he's really damn good. And much like the Vikings, he can't get the football. Dude. Like, what What are we doing here? Ugh. Ugh. Can anybody what? explain to me what we're doing here? Because I'd know, really like good. to know. This feels good. I'd really like to know why I wasted my Saturday watching well, Bielema. That's on you. No, I know, but I went there not... That's a choice. I, I went to Huntington Bank Stadium, not with the intention to waste my day, but to spend it on a gorgeous fall Saturday watching college football, watching the Gophers set up a meeting um, this coming Saturday with the Hawkeyes, which I think was going to be a primetime nationally televised tilt, right? It's now a 2.30 start on Big Ten Network because the Gophers peed so thoroughly down their leg. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is at this point, this is a you problem yeah. getting this worked up about the Gopher. Football. I mean, I, I waited three plus hours for Top Golf on Saturday, three plus hours, and like that—that that was painful. But nothing compared to what you you had. Wait, to do. like you were at Top Golf for three hours? Yeah, before a stall opened. Yes. Why? Uh so uh, the, the gal and I—I was going to meet her brothers at Top Golf, and you can't like book out a bay more than like a week in advance. And we tried to, like, get one, but it was the only opening times, like, early in the morning, and we didn't want to do it then. But on the app, it kind of gives you, like, a wait time window. Like, hey, the, the opening of Bay is, like, an hour or an hour and a half. So we see it, and it says an hour and a half to wait. And we were like, oh, let's just go in there because you can't book them online. You have to go in person unless, like, you're doing, like, a corporate party, which is, again, just kind of mind-blowing to me. So we go there, and we ask to reserve a Bay, and the lady literally goes, it'll be three and a half to four hours. Like and the, okay, you guys stayed. We did. Couldn't you have left? We thought about doing something else, but <laughs> yeah, then why don't you go and to something also, else? but like, but it's kind of like restaurant waiting to like they always over exaggerate, right? Like usually it's no, always over three and a half hours is is going to be probably that long. And the weird thing was like in the <laughs> it's not a restaurant in deck. the Top Golf bar, but there was like a half dozen people there, and it was a beautiful day. And it's a, it was the last like sixty five degree day in Minnesota for probably the next five months, but. 
Still, I, I I ended up waiting it out, but it was it wasn't that bad. I ended up waiting it out. That's a long. So time you guys, what did you guys do? You just sat. Did you, I mean, I suppose you could watch football, watch and, like, some football, get appetizers got, got drinks, and appetizers, and stuff. Yeah, we, we waited right. it out, and then it was it okay. was worth it. I love me some Top Golf, so I, I was fine. Okay. And Top Golf wants to sponsor this show. Six hours and doesn't want to make me wait three plus hours if they want to be a sponsor of a Mackey and Jeff. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not, no, no, that's exactly why I didn't say a thing. Help me out. No, right. no, no, no. I love Top Golf. Uh, uh-uh, Top Golf. You love go. Me some top yeah. Golf. By the way, I. I am not ripping Top Golf. I'm Top questioning the decision to oh, wait agree for three with you and a half that. hours mm. to get a Top I probably would have left, but I guess if you could get drunk there, who cares? Yeah, I mean, th- there was a 15 year old with us, so like we we had, we had a younger brother with us, and I, th- I think he was getting a little wary. But the other three of us were 21 plus, and and we're having drinks. But yeah, it, it ended up working out okay. Ended up working out all right. Ended up working out all right. Meeting the family, time, huh? Like Meeting family, yeah. Somebody likes to dive into the pool sometimes, huh? Head first. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Even when that person swears off that, they still do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, it's all it's all never or nothing, baby. All or nothing. Yep. Yep. I got other comments I'm not going to say. Way okay. to go, Brando. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's a wrap here. I'm Mackie and Judd, man. Great. Some great therapy here. Some great therapy. We're here for you guys. All right. We're here for you. I'm as frustrated as you are. This. I didn't even give you a Timberwolves statement yet. No. That's how many things Ooh, we well. had to get off our no, chest. No, I, I got a feeling time. that's coming Tuesday. tomorrow because that's <laughs> yeah. going to be, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, fire everybody. All right, um, Mackie and Judd, thanks for hanging out with us. Please check out our app, the Score North app, and the Score North Instagram account is almost to 8,500 followers. Uh, so help us get to another milestone, almost to 9,000. Be awesome. All right, see you guys tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.